everyone. Welcome to Sick in the City. We're Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks filling the tea on chronic illness. In today's episode, we're going to talk about mold, which I think is so relevant right now. Mel is a mold expert. I think she was dubbed the mold girl for a while. Um, so we're going to talk all about mold, especially during the summer when it's hot and sticky and moldy and humid. And we're also going to get into some hot gas because a lot of TV shows are back and we're super excited. So I'm just so excited to see you and talk to you, Mel. How are you doing? I'm good. We've been kind of catching up before we recorded, but I am exhausted and I know you are too. And I mean, everybody saw we didn't put out an episode last week. So yeah, apologies for that. But truly, I think sometimes you have to kind of take a step back and and our both of our bodies and our minds were like, girls, you need yeah. a break. You need a moment. And we really wanted to give you our all for this mold episode. It was something that totally. I think both of us right now were kind of feeling like this is the move that we need to talk about. And but we just didn't have enough time to really make sure we were going to put all the info we really wanted to give out to you guys in it. And now we are ready. We are here and I'm feeling a little bit better than I was last weekend. And I guess, yeah, because why don't you tell everyone why? Because (laughs) you're, I mean, we could talk about being exhausted. I think that that's sort of, that's my natural state, but I also (laughs) just have to tell you that I also lost my voice earlier this week from hiccuping. (laughs) So what I, I was hiccuping so hard that I lost my voice and was talking with a raspy voice. So I think there's a lot of levels of just like dealing with all kinds of exhaustion, chronic illness, just crazy stuff. So yeah, that's that's my life. So I think you should tell everyone what's been going on with you because you have a legitimate reason beyond hiccuping to have lost your voice. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, if you guys listened to our COVID vaccine episode a couple of weeks ago, both of us hadn't really disclosed if we were going to be getting the vaccine, just because we didn't want to share, you know, like our own purpose or reason behind it, just to let everyone else feel like they had the freedom to make their own decisions. And it wasn't going to be based on what we were doing, but I did decide to get the vaccine. And it was something that didn't come until after I had done all of the research and really felt comfortable and confident that my body and my immune system would really be able to handle it the way that I was hoping it would be able to. And I got my second dose on Friday, which if you guys listen to our episode and if you've done research on your own, the second vaccine does tend to be a little bit more intense just because your immune system has only been dealing with like the effects of the first one for a few weeks and then you're right back in it again. And So, and I had had COVID already. So for some people that have dealt with COVID in the past, when they get their second vaccine, sometimes it's kind of eradicating what might be left of the virus in your body. So I've heard from people who have both had COVID and gotten the vaccine that sometimes it's a little bit worse because it's really trying to get rid of that long haulers, like underlying potential like co-infection or whatever, you know, the COVID is doing to you. Right. Lingering in your body. But I didn't have any extreme side effects. And I want to reiterate the difference between a side effect and a reaction because if you guys listen to our episode, side effects are things that should be happening that you can expect to happen after you get the vaccine because of your immune system actually doing the work to create the antibodies against the virus. And so I, I wasn't expecting anything. I really went into it 
making sure that I had cleared my schedule for the next couple of days, but, um, I really did feel quite tired, um, the first couple of days. So I just relaxed. I just felt like a little under the weather, you know, how you kind of feel like right before you get like a cold or something, like your body's a little achy and I was just tired and I just kind of chilled in bed most of the weekend, to be honest. But the only weird side effects that I wrote down that I wanted to mention were that my eyes were really irritated, kind of like I was having like a sinusy, like allergy attack type of thing. They were watery and I couldn't get my contacts in. That's so strange. Did they hurt though? Or they were just like, they just felt really tired. It wasn't even mm. itchy. It was like they were inflamed in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, you know what I think is, what I think is interesting, or just, I guess a question that I have for you is, Do you feel like some of these things that you are getting, the side effects that you're going to talk about are because of side effects of the vaccine, or do you feel like they put you into a flare? I don't think it was a flare. Okay. Um, Only because I feel like my flares were, are way worse than that. Um, Okay. Like when I have a flare, I can barely walk around. Like my, my joints and muscles feel so fatigued that, that it's hard to like stand up for a long period of time and it lasts for like a couple of days typically Mm -hmm. like a big flare but I feel the effects of that for a while um right but this was like very mild very mild for a couple of days but it was like like strange side effects that I don't typically experience if I'm ever flaring Mm -hmm. or honestly have ever really experienced period. Like, like, I don't think that's ever happened to me where my, my eyes basically rejected my contacts. They were like, Nope, we don't want those in here right now. (laughs) Well, it makes sense to me that you would have an allergic response or a histamine response, because if your immune system and all your cells are reacting to something being within the system, they start releasing that histamine. And then you get those responses. Like you get a runny nose, you get sinus issues, you get eye issues. So that kind of makes sense if you think of it that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my immune system was active, right? Because it was creating those antibodies. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. You know, I expected it. I knew it was happening. And a few of the other things that were just kind of annoying was that I was having some sleep disturbances. Like I woke up at three or four in the morning and I felt kind of like hot and just a little uncomfortable. And I had a hard time kind of getting back to sleep and stuff. But typically I take binders in the evenings, like activated charcoal, um, just to make sure my body's really like flushing out any toxins or anything. I'm like detoxing throughout the day. And I wasn't taking those the first couple of days after my vaccine, just out of fear that it might like interact with anything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I was like, I'm just not going to take them for like a couple of days while when I first got this. So Mm -hmm. it could have potentially been from that too, you know? And so it's always kind of hard to say because it's not like I can guarantee that everything I was feeling was specifically from the vaccine, but it's safe to assume. And, and none of it was extreme to the point where I was like blaming it on the vaccine. You know, it was like, Oh, well, it's fine. It's doing what it's supposed to be right. doing. And I woke up about five days later and I felt back to normal. Like I, I got my contacts in, I woke up with energy <laughs> my arm isn't sore anymore. And I'm back to normal. And 
I know something you were asking me about is like how I'm feeling about my decision, right? Like, yeah. Do we, are we happy we did it or are we regretting the decision? No, I'm very happy. I, it was a really, really, really hard decision for me. Um, and I, I know for, for a lot of people and, and it just took me some time to really gather all the information I felt like I needed to make a confident and educated decision. Um, and there are still unknowns. And I think that that's what is still so like scary, but to me, the pros really outweighed the cons. And I felt, and I know that my immune system and my body are strong enough at this point in my healing journey that I could handle it and that I would be fine. And right. that's the only reason I went in there knowing I was making the right decision because I knew I would be fine. And unfortunately, there's a lot of news coming out right now, you know, about the new variants and, and infections continuing to spike and rise and that they're recommending people to start wearing masks again and things like this. And it, it makes me nervous. And yeah, but to me, even though I know that there's still a small percentage that I could get a breakthrough infection at some point, even being vaccinated to me, the percentage of knowing that I might not get a breakthrough infection is way higher. And I just feel more comfortable knowing that at the end of the day, because yeah. I can still make the decision to wear a mask or, you know, do the things that I need to do to feel safe. But in general, I feel like life is still going back to normal. Like, and, and people, you know, are going to expect you to come to events and things like that. And it's like, going to expect you to come home for Thanksgiving on a plane and, and see my family for the first time in a while. And to me, I just felt more comfortable knowing that I was going to be protected yeah. um, more so than I would if I, if I didn't get it. And that's the only reason I decided to get it. And I feel like it's important to share that because I've had a lot of friends who still aren't comfortable with it. And mm -hmm they are curious mainly about what helped me become comfortable with it because yeah. I think all we're looking for is enough information to feel comfortable in our decision-making. Right. And so I'm more than happy to share my experience with it and share why I decided to get it. Um, but I also in, am in complete understanding of people not being fully comfortable with it yet. And it's, it's just, this is a complicated <laughs> time we're all living in. It is. It's, it's pretty tough. I, I think, I, I mean, I'm really grateful that you are sharing your experience, that you're open with it, because I do think that a lot of people are afraid to say whether they want to get it or not. I think that there's two very, you know, different ends of the spectrum, which there are about a lot of controversial issues. And so there are people that are very, very into getting it and believing that everyone should get it. And then there's all these people that are against it. And then somewhere in the middle, there's people like us who really just want all the information before we make a decision. And so I think that you sharing that is really helpful. So I really appreciate that. Like, I think it's really great. Um, and I think that my only feeling right now on the vaccine is I just wish that people would be respectful and let people make their own decisions about it. I, I think I told you that a couple of weeks ago I had gone to the doctor and they were asking me before I even got into the doctor, are you fully vaccinated? Yeah. Like everyone is asking and I understand the reasoning for it, but I also feel that I don't want to have to validate my reason one way or another all the time. Like I think that, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as 
you know, you're around people in your family and friend groups that you trust, that you can have these open conversations with, and that no one is going to make you feel less or like you're trying to be a bad person because of the decision that you're making for yourself and your life. I think that that's really the ultimate goal right now. And it, it does make me feel like I need to protect myself a little bit more, right? Like mm-hmm. having these conversations, making sure that the people I'm, I'm bringing them up with are people that, that know me and that know, you know, I'm not trying to do anything to hurt or right. harm anyone else. Um, but I'm also thinking about people in my life, uh, at the same time that I'm trying to think about myself. And so, yeah, just being kind and patient and understanding and, and listening to what somebody might have to say, I think is, is the goal at this point in navigating yeah, this chapter. <laughs> totally. And I think, you know, to be fair, you, you did the right thing. You gave yourself a couple of days to rest, but, you also have a lot of big things and a lot of change going on in your life and you are exhausted with that on top of it. So I think, you know, managing everything while also managing the world we're living in, in terms of like making sure that you get vaccinated and you're taking care of your health. I think you do a really great job at balancing, but you also have a crazy schedule right now because you just started a new job. Yes. Oh, I've been loving it. And for a lot of people who I haven't gone fully into detail with, I started working as a functional nutritionist for a doctor named Dr. Ian Holloman at a business called Dr. Autoimmune in Boulder, Colorado. And they're a really small business, but they're doing amazing things. And I'm learning all about how to read blood work and lab work to clients, as well as walk them through elimination diets. And it's been really really eye-opening and educational for me. And it's this whole new chapter in my career because I have not had a job like this, um, you know, like ever. And I'm learning, you know, a lot about who I am and who I want to be in this new chapter of my, my, you know, career and, and coming from seven years of working full-time as a photographer, it's just like, oh my God, I'm going to have to change all my resumes. I got to change my LinkedIn profiles. (laughs) Like things are happening and it's still so like such a pinch me kind of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm learning a lot and I'm, I'm honored to be, to have been given this opportunity for sure. And I'm still doing my business and running my course. And if you guys ever do want to work with me, um, I'm excited. My my next round of the Everybody program, I am hoping is going to start end of July, early August. Oh, coming up. Yes. And it's been so fun. Like I love my students and it's like, we've all become friends and creating this community to me is something so meaningful. And that's really my main goal. And I know our main goal with this podcast, right. Is creating a space where people feel safe and heard and, you know, where we can vent a little bit about our issues and problems. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I think, you know, we did an entire episode on working with chronic illness, but I feel like that always comes up for, you know, clients that I have, clients that you have, and for us, you know, learning to put up boundaries, adjusting through transitions, figuring out how to take care of yourself during real life. You know, I, that was something I actually had posted about on my Instagram, I think last week or a couple of days ago, I don't know, everything's merging together, but really taking a look at what 
self-care means in day-to-day life, like modern day-to-day life. So you're working now in this new job and you're doing all these things. And as much as we'd all love to be doing, you know, yoga and handstands and, you know, putting crystals all over our body, you really need to figure out a way to take care of yourself while also working full-time, taking care of your kids, all that stuff. And so, you know, I think it's about these little routines and doing little things. And so I just want to know, and, you know, now you're working all these hours again, which you haven't in a long time. Like what are some things that you're doing to keep yourself balanced and take care of yourself? Great question. I'm still kind of trying to navigate that (laughs) because it's, yeah, it's been tough. My, my schedule is just kind of all over the place right now while uh, I'm being trained. And once I'm fully trained and on staff, like in the old nutritionist leaves, I'm going to kind of be able to create my own hours to make it a little bit more manageable. But for now, in the things I'm doing to kind of help me with my busy schedule is making sure I have food prepped in the fridge. Mm. I don't have to cook in the middle of the day when I need a lunch, because some days I've only had like 15 or 20 minutes to kind of like stop and eat something. Yeah. And so just kind of making sure I have freshly cooked, good, good food. That's going to nourish me and help maintain me throughout the day. If I'm not able to grab a snack or something during appointments and the things, the little things I've tried to add in and incorporate are just kind of going outside. If I have like a 10 minute, 15 minute break, just going outside, standing in the grass in the backyard, taking some deep breaths. Yes. Grounding. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and just kind of checking back in with myself yeah. and like walking away from the computer screen for a few minutes because yeah, you can get so overwhelmed and I feel like sometimes drown in the electronical world that Yeah. Oh, totally. I think I used to get really bad headaches after like for sitting at my computer all day, still do occasionally, but getting blue light blocking glasses was really helpful for that too. Just sometimes you don't have a choice, right? Like if you're in zoom, we all have zoom fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's real life. (laughs) Um, my new thing that I've been doing is I don't have a stand up desk at my apartment. I used to have one and they, they literally look like spaceships. They're huge. So I have a ledge that is in my kitchen. And so when I stand there and I'm on zoom, you see behind me, my fridge and my RuPaul (laughs) drag race calendar. So you just see like a huge, like picture of a drag queen, like right over my shoulder, which is just how I want life to be. So I've found that standing really does help me during meetings to kind of get my thoughts out, get energy flowing. So if I can't get outside, I just walk around my apartment and just now I just bring my computer. That's brilliant. No, that's such a good idea. And that was something I, I learned pretty quickly too, from like sitting in my little kitchen table chair for almost eight hours one day. And I immediately went to Costco and bought like a nice (laughs) office chair. I was like, I need something that's going to support my back. That's going to support like the way that I'm sitting. Cause I already started feeling terrible after like one week. I was like, okay, yeah. Work from home status elevated. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I just started using our computer chair in my dining room because I don't work in our office. Now Rob works in the office. I work in the dining room just because Lord knows I need to be right next to the kitchen, just in case I have a five minute break that I could chop vegetables. Cause that's my Zen. <laughs> that's my your happy place. <laughs> yeah. Like Rob will come in and be like, why are you doing this right now? You have five minutes between meetings. I'm like, I just need to chop these carrots. Just like, I need, that's how I think. Like, let me <laughs> give me a moment. I have a knife in my hand. Um, but I just started using a chair and it really does make a difference. I think to yeah. have a comfortable chair. 
Yes. Oh my God. Such a huge difference. It's like, it's like I'm like in bed right now, like in this office. Yeah. Cozy cozy. So I did want to share kind of a funny story before we dive into Mm. the topics because when things like this happen, it's just so funny to share because I had a very, 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 very stressful night a few weeks ago. And I think after the fact, Justin and I were like, I think that was the most stressful day of the year, like without a doubt. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, when you have those days and you're just like, I need to tell people about this because it was so absurd that you just have to laugh because of how insane it was. And after the fact, I was like, oh my God, like how did that happen all at once? Because our poor dog had to have surgery two weeks ago. She had a little growth on her elbow and Ellie girl, I know it was so sad. I hated just dropping her off being like, I'm sorry. Like I'll be back to you later. It was so sad, but we were doing it. It was a precautionary thing. We weren't sure what was going on. Good news is she's good. Nothing, nothing came badly of that. We're glad we got, got it taken care of, but we picked her up from the vet in the evening and brought her home and she had a cone on her head and she was all drugged up to the point where she could barely like walk around she was walking but like the cone kept getting stuck on like the corners of the walls and she would just stop it's like she just got so confused about like why like why is this stuck on the wall and she would just stay there for like a few minutes and I'd be like Ellie it's okay like just you know keep walking like it was just so sad and like she was so stressed by the cone and then all of a sudden we're getting all these alerts on our phone that this like intense storm is headed our way yeah like like warnings like crazy severe thunderstorms take shelter but at the same time we were like we can't have her wearing this cone like she's so anxious in this cone so we run to petco we run to petco to like pick up one of those inflatable donuts so that it will be like more comfortable for her and we go into petco and we walk outside and in the 10 minutes we were in the store the entire sky goes black. Like we walked outside and I was like, Oh shit. Like we need to get home now. And we drove home as fast as we could, but it starts pouring rain on our way home. Oh my God. And so we run inside. Like the only thing my sister had in her car to like keep us dry was a blanket. So we like run in the house with the blanket on and we get inside and poor Ellie's like terrified cuddled back at the back of her crate so we're all three like trying to change this cone to like a donut just so that she'll be more comfortable yeah and while all three of us are there like with our arms inside of the crate all of a sudden the power just goes out oh my god it's horrible (laughs) I just was like "Ah, like what like and it was already so stressful because my poor dog was so drugged and like in pain and the power goes out and it is downpouring like I have never seen a storm like this it was so intense and all of a sudden we hear that like New York City is flooding that like the subways are are flooding if everybody saw like videos on TikTok of all the crazy stuff that's been going on this past week it's just madness and our power got knocked out the entire night and we had to like light candles all over our apartment and like we finally ventured out to get food at like 9 p.m once the storm calmed down but it was such an ordeal and all of us were just like what just happened and yeah welcome to New York again for like (laughs) the eighth time that I've said that to you um yeah you're the area that you're in especially because there's so many trees definitely power outage is a is a thing that happens 
and yes. the highways get flooded. It really does get crazy. And we also got hit then again with another storm. So that happened. And then there was the another tropical storm. storm, Elsa, that hit the next day. It yeah. was like a precursor, like pregame. Yeah. Let's pregame the real storm, you know? Yeah, it, it was, was like crazy. JK. You know what I realized the other day? I actually had a picture from the same sort of storm last year when the tree fell on my car. So last year there were all these trees outside of our apartment right near where we park. Cause we park, we have a parking lot within, you know, right next to our apartment. We had one of those crazy storms. The trees were going crazy. I was looking out the window at the trees and actually watched in slow motion, a huge branch hit my windshield and completely, I mean, it almost totaled my car. My car is okay now, obviously, but like it was a ton of damage. And since then they actually removed all the trees. Like they had to get rid of all the trees because there was my car and then somebody else's car a tree fell on too. So God, yeah. summer, summer storms, it's just crazy. It'll be super, super hot for days. And then we just will get rammed. Yeah. Nuts. At least there's not like tornadoes as much as Texas had tornadoes. Cause that stuff was crazy and scary, but a lot of water and yeah, it's kind of us to mold. <laughs> exactly. No, that's, it was a great transition. Look at us. Yeah. I was just thinking about like the next week, my uncle texted me and he's like, we have like a mold issue in our farm after like all the storms, we're not sure what's going on. And so I've kind of been talking a lot about mold recently. And I, I, if no one knows this. I have a mold toxicity ebook on my website that I actually made the first thing that I made in quarantine. It was like something I had been wanting to do forever. And when I got all that time at home, like locked in my house, I was like, I'm going to do this finally. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite things. It's such a good resource because I think most of the time dealing with mold, people just don't know what to do, right? Like yeah. there's it's overwhelming and scary. Cause like all of a sudden you have mold and you're like, Oh crap. Like, what do I do first? Who do I call? Like, is this yeah. affecting me? Like it's, and then there's the whole other side of the spectrum of what happened to me with my mold issues was that I didn't even know we had mold, but that it was affecting me for over five years. And it yeah. in turn became and was the root cause of pretty much my chronic illness. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that seems to be, I think the track that most people go down. A lot of people have no idea that they're in mold or they have no idea that mold's affecting them and it causes so many other issues. You kind of find it underlying other things like people that have Lyme, it usually goes hand in hand with mold. People that have EBV usually goes hand in hand with mold. Mold kind of kicks things off. Mm -hmm. It sits on top of things like with Lyme, you have to get mold out before you can even start to heal Lyme because it sits on top of Lyme. So yeah. I think it's such a great topic for us to cover because so many people within our community of chronic illness have been dealing with mold or are dealing with mold. And it is one of the more difficult things to eradicate out of your system, especially when it's chronic. So yeah. I think, you know, so I also had an experience living in mold. I didn't know that there was mold we had black mold in our bathroom in Astoria, which is right near the water. So a lot of apartments in Astoria do have mold, but I didn't know that it was affecting me. So I think we should maybe start with what are some of the symptoms and signs that you can look for when you potentially are dealing with mold? Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about mold too is 
that it affects everyone differently based on mm-hmm. their genetics. It, and that was something that really freaked me out when I first learned about it because everybody was always asking me like, well, why for five years, my boyfriend and I were living in a townhome. Why was I so sick? And he wasn't right. Yeah. And everybody's like, they don't believe me that the mold was affecting me because it's like, well, Justin would have been sick. But what we learned after we moved out was that it was just affecting him differently than it was me. And for him, his symptoms were more anxiety-based. They were insomnia. Um, They were kind of a fluctuating like heart rate throughout like periods of time where we lived there. And And the main thing for him was that when we moved, he felt like he could breathe better. Like his lung capacity, he didn't even notice like that his lung capacity was kind of not the way it should be until we moved. But for me, all of my symptoms were very digestive related. Um, I did deal with a lot of chronic sinus issues when we first moved in, but it wasn't really something that I related to like anything else. I just thought it was allergies or whatever, but I, I did have chronic sinus infections for like six months for a while, but it turned into digestive issues the longer that we lived there. And I started dealing with like chronic constipation, like not being able to go to the bathroom for four days at a time, uh, bloating, fatigue, brain fog, the, the works, to be honest, how did it affect you? Yeah. So I think definitely sinus for me, for sure. I was chronically clogged up my nose, like was just clogged for years. I could not breathe. So at night I would snore like just all kinds of different, different stuff with that inner ear stuff. Right. I would get tinnitus, which is ringing of the ear, just always having sinus infections, brain fog, hundred percent. There was a few times where I thought I was high. I actually felt like I had accidentally taken some drug, which I don't, I wouldn't have had, like why I would have been, I would be like, oh, I must've accidentally drugged myself with some random drug Oh God! because I would start to have these out of body experiences where I would just be like, what's going on. So just yes. brain fog so bad, double vision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's when my alcohol intolerance really first started yeah. was when we were in mold and, and champagne, like champagne was the worst of anything. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe like the yeast or like mm. a, a lot, it's a lot of sugar, but it's like, I would have one glass of champagne with a mimosa and it would just knock me out. Like I yeah. would get dizzy and nauseous. It's like my body was just rejecting it at the time. So it it can really take shape in a lot of forms. And that's why I think it's so hard to figure out what's going on. But the thing that you mentioned earlier, specifically that Lyme and EBV, Epstein-Barr virus from mono, they can really remain dormant in your body for Mm -hmm. years and years and years and years until you live in a moldy environment. Right. And it it activates it. it. Yeah, it activates it. Which for me, when I first moved into that place within weeks, I got mono, like debilitating mm-hmm. mono. So who knows how long I had it, right? Like I could have had right. it for a long time, but the mold was really what woke it up. And that's when all of my symptoms really started. Yeah. And and that is what, what happens. And that's what I kind of say about my Lyme, right? I have no idea when I was bit by a tick. Like there's no, I'm not tracking to that. I have no idea, but I do know that living in mold in Astoria. And I had also lived in mold in an apartment when I was in New Jersey. So I had all these years of living in these moldy environments. And then I had 
a emotional trauma and physical trauma because I was going through surgery and all these different things that were going on and it was just the perfect storm. And I just want to say too, another thing that besides the digestive piece that people tend to get as a side effect is that it's really hard to lose weight. People bloat and get super inflamed and can't lose weight. And it's one of the symptoms that you don't really realize till later on. So I want to just kind of point that one out too, because I think we both experienced that as well. Yeah. Because when you're living in a toxic environment, like your Mm -hmm. body can't physically detox fully. So it just holds on to those toxins and fat cells. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I was just putting on weight and I had no idea why. And that is such a good point because I think it's something we forget about because one of the things I talk to with people who are like, I suddenly gained like 20, 30 pounds overnight. It's like, okay, let's talk. Yeah. It's got, it's gotta be. Yeah. The next step is kind of figuring out, okay, how do I know if I have mold Mm -hmm. or that it's in my environment and what kind of like practitioner I need to see if I'm suspecting it. And it's tough because for most people, they're already working with a practitioner and the practitioner is the one that's like, have you checked mold? Right. But if you're not, I mean, naturopathic doctors, um, holistic practitioners, there's, it's tough because I don't know that there's specifically like a mold doctor. Um, I was working with someone who did kind of talk about how she specialized in mold in Dallas. And that was just lucky on my part, but Mm -hmm. the thing you want to make sure you're looking for and the test that I got done was one by Great Plains Laboratories. It's called the Mycotox Profile. Mm-hmm. And it tests to see if you have mycotoxins in your system, which are the toxins that mold spores emit. So a lot of people don't understand, like it's not the mold spores specifically that's making you sick. It's the mycotoxins that they create. And right. not all mold spores have mycotoxins. And I think that that's something that's interesting that can kind of further progress the illness is how toxic the mold in your environment is. Right, right. And I and what it causes essentially is SIRS, right, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome, as well as biotoxin illness. So then you start to become extremely toxic and sensitive to every other toxin. And there are doctors to your point who, who maybe specialize in biotoxin illness versus a actual like mold doctor. But I'll say that for me, the biggest resource that I had was this book called toxic by um, Dr. Neil Nathan. And that talks about Lyme talks about mold. And that book actually is what led me to surviving mold, which is another book and another website. And there's tests you can do on there as well. And they will actually, that website can help you find a practitioner in your area who does specialize in it. That's awesome. I did not know that. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that was for me. Cause I didn't realize it until I'm reading this book and I'm going check, check, check. Oh my God. Yeah. I have, I have this, this all makes sense. Now I understand why the Lyme is activated. Now I understand. So it is something that I think there are not that many people and they are very expensive when you find them. And so you do have to do a little bit of due diligence on, on your own. So just having support and resources is helpful. Once you kind of figure out with the doctor that you do have mold, right. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, now how do I find it? Where is it? Right. Where, where is, is it? Isn't it, isn't it everywhere? I mean, that's the big question, right. Is where is it not? <laughs> so where is it? Where is it not? Where do you find it, Mel? Okay. So the main places that mold really 
can be found are there's a long list <laughs> to be honest yeah Phil, yeah tell us but okay i'll just go down the list so first and foremost you want to check your crawl space underneath your home if you have a crawl space it is basically just a mud pit a dusty dark cold <laughs> wet mud pit underneath your home where mold can very easily grow and you want to make sure that the wood underneath your home isn't wet because if if it is i mean there's a very good chance that there's mold down there and after that basement you know basements under your mm-hmm. home it's very cold damp dark like all the above very similar space you want to check your air ducts your air ducts because of your hvac system if you don't mm-hmm. get them routinely cleaned mold can build up in that in that space um moisture can build up in that space that's where ours were where our air ducts and not specifically like where your hvac system is but the little small ducts that are in your bedroom that you don't ever open because they're right. like screwed shut yeah um but you want to check your hvac drip pan there's a drip pan underneath the coil of your hvac system that actually has to be cleaned um and you have to have somebody come in and and clean your hvac hvac system hopefully like twice a year if you can um because that coil the drip pan can build up water and when it's all the way full the coil can can create mold and and yeah yeah so if you don't get that routinely checked it it's very easy to grow mold and then moldy air is just blowing out into your apartment. So that's a big one. Um, underneath your carpets <laughs> is kind of a nice hot spot if like anything ever spills and it's not properly cleaned or dried. Mm-hmm. Um, carpets just have a tendency of having moisture on them, especially if they're like near your bathrooms and you don't have good ventilation in your bathrooms, like with a window, a lot of like moisture can build up into the carpets. Um, kind of your windows around like the edges of your windows. If you ever have, especially in like the winter, if you have like heaters inside or like a humidifier because your heaters dry out the air in your apartment, um, that moisture inside, you have to make sure you like kind of crack a little window to make sure that moisture can kind of circulate outside and not just like live inside because the mold can really grow like on the windows. And yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like the main places. Right. Right. Definitely the bathroom. Right. Cause that's where I've seen it. That's where it was in Astoria. And also with our outdoor air conditioner, Mm. like our window unit, I should say that was getting water was coming in through there and then living in the wall because it wasn't properly blocked off or whatever it was with the window like a window unit that can happen too that's a really good point yeah I am not very well versed in window units yet I definitely have been like checking it and cleaning the vents on the window units and stuff since I've lived here but that's definitely all of your like electronics that have anything to do with water. Just make sure you're cleaning them out. Like my humi- humidifier, yeah. that thing gets moldy quick. Like, you- yes. And a Keurig I threw out my, so when I learned about my issue with mold, I got rid of my Keurig. I got rid of my humidifier, just anything, even though I was cleaning them, I just feel that, you know, it's not always a hundred percent, right? Like oh, there's yeah. still water living in that. I don't know actually if I ever clean the Keurig now that I think about it, but I did clean, I did clean my humidifier, but yeah, I got rid of everything that had water in it. Yeah. It's a safe bet. It's a safe bet for sure. So 
the testing as far as how to figure out if it's in your environment, there's mm-hmm. ways you can test. And for me, that was really important because before mm-hmm. we moved, because we were renting at the time, I wanted to know for sure that any of the mycotoxins that were in my system were actually in my home. Mm-hmm. So we did a Petri dish test because it was the cheapest way to test and see and figure out which mold strains were in our home at the time. There's a great Petri dish by a company called Immunolytics that you can buy and you buy it per Petri dish and you set them around your home and you have to set them out for like an hour with your AC off, with the fans off, like so that things aren't like blowing around just to see if anything just like falls into it, you know, like is in the air. Um, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So we did that. And then you let the Petri dish kind of sit in like a dark cabinet for a couple of days. Then you send it to immunolytics and they send you back this like whole profile. And wow. That yeah. has to be scary because it, yeah. yeah, I think, I think one of the things that really freaks me out about mold is that a lot of people have to move out of their moldy environments. So you're living in that you do the Petri dish, right. And then you're like, I have to get out of here that's not an option for everybody. And that's what I struggle with is like, I, sometimes I don't want to know, <laughs> like you do want to know, but you know, there's that piece of it. That's like, am I going to actually like abandon everything, throw out all my stuff and get out of here and live in an RV? Yeah. That's literally why I created my moldy book because that was the situation I was in and we were renting, we had rented for four, five years and I had spent so much money on trying to get better. And the entire time I couldn't get better the way I wanted to, because we were still living in a toxic environment. So yeah, I went down the whole route of like, can I like sue them? Like, you know, like what, you know, I was just, I wanted to know all my options. And Mm -hmm. so I spent my time doing a lot of research. I visited with like a, a lawyer, like a rental lawyer type of person who gave me advice. And you have to be careful, especially in like Texas, there's a lot of clause uh, clauses and leases that talk about how like mold is not the landlord's responsibility essentially. Um, because mold is so common, it's so common and it's just so difficult dealing with a landlord with it because they also don't know how to properly clean it. Most of the time they just hire like some Joe Schmo to come in and like clean up the mold, but it, that is not going to do anything for you, especially if they're just like painting over it, like cleaning it and like painting it. it. It's, it's really, it's really challenging. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I think the best way to guarantee a mold free rental is to take a moisture meter when okay. you're touring apartments. And that's what we did. We, we took it and we like put it on the floorboards of the home if it was like hardwoods, but we made sure to try and only look at rentals that had concrete slab foundation. Okay. Because there's no crawl space, there's no basement. And a crawl space makes up like, I think 60% of the air that's in your home, like whatever's in your crawl space. And that's disgusting to me because like, it's so gross down there. And the best thing you can ever do for yourself, if you're a homeowner is just encapsulate your crawl space, just get that thing sealed off because that is the best way to guarantee good air quality in your home. And wow. I know eventually I do really want to own my own home just so I have full control over what's going on in the air in my space. But I do feel comfortable in the rentals I've found um, because they don't have crawl spaces because especially now in New York, there's not a lot of HVAC systems with air ducts. So I have full control over the window unit. I have full control over like 
the space I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. We tried to buy things, find rentals without carpets and right, um, exactly. and air purifiers too. So for, especially for me, when I couldn't move right away, like that was what was so scary to me is that I, I kind of just knew for my mental like state that I needed to get out of that space. Right, right. Um, after five years, it was like, I should, but some people like, don't have that option. Like you said, right. like, what do I do if I can't move? What do I do if I can't throw away all of my furniture and my clothes, which to right. be honest, we didn't do. Um, and maybe, you know, I, right. I did recover, which is the good news, but I washed everything in like laundry detergent that was like yeah. mold killing. And I sprayed down every porous surface we had every, every little picture frame we had that had dust on it. Every like video game console that had dust yeah, on it. We you cleaned. have to, yeah. you have to, you get rid of what you can You clean everything that you can't get rid of. Like, I, I think that that's really the only way to do while still living within mold, because to your point, if you are trying to do all these things to get it out of your body, and then you keep living within that environment, you just keep poisoning yourself over and over again. It's like, as if you were working through Lyme and then you just keep getting bit by ticks, it keeps coming into your body. Like I, what, else can people do to make sure that if they can't move, they can't leave, what else can they do? Are there specific detergents or chemicals that, I mean, chemicals cause more issues, but right. What can people do? There's a fog kit by a company called BioBalance. It's called Haven Fog. And it does cost a lot of money. And it's something that I would recommend to do after your home's been remediated or after the mold has been taken care of. But if you just don't have any option and you're working with your landlord to get it cleaned and stuff, you know, Haven Fog, it fully removes any mold spores or mycotoxins in the air in your space. And so it's kind of like a fail safe, you know, to just get rid of it in your environment and then buy a really, really, really powerful air filter, something that can filter smaller than mold spores, which HEPA filters can only filter as small as like 0.03 microns, which is the size of mold spores. So yes, it is filtering mold spores, but mycotoxins are smaller than mold spores. So the only two air filters that I know of that are are that powerful are the molecule, um, M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E. And it's hella expensive. I kind of like sure. call it like the Rolls Royce of like air purifiers because <laughs> it's so fancy and it, it fully eradicates the toxins in your air. It doesn't just filter it. It neutralizes it, which is so cool. And if I could have molecules in every room of my home and in my car and everywhere I went, I totally would, but you know, one can dream. <laughs> yeah. One day, you never one know. Day. And I actually have a filter called an air doctor that I'm a huge fan of, and it does filter mycotoxins and I have had it for years. I'm a loyal customer of air doctor. I fully believe in their product. And it's something that I bought immediately when I found out we had mm. mold because I didn't feel safe in my own home at that point until we were able to move out. So those are just a couple of things. And there's some great products by a company called Citrus Safe hmm. that makes laundry detergents and pet shampoos and conditioners that you can wash your pets in because they actually carry mold spores from outside into your home. So that's just another extra level of protection you can have. Sure. Um, but things like a mattress sleeve, um, from like a company called Allergies, you can get on like Amazon that makes sure that any mold that's in the air 
can't get into like the cotton fibers that are in your mattress. Um, mattresses can hold a lot of allergens, like like dust mites. Dust mites right. are like a huge one, especially for me too. But I actually bought um, an Allergies like mattress sleeve years before I even knew I had mold because I was so allergic to dust mites. So my mattress was saved. You know, I didn't have to right, buy like right, a new right. mattress when we moved, which was so nice. But yeah, I think those are some of the the products you can purchase and invest in, you know, if you don't have any other option before you move. But I mean, of course, like I didn't feel safe in my space. So I I was going to move and it was honestly one of the most stressful times of our life, trying to find a rental while living in mold and still dealing with like the health issues and the anxiety around it. And trying to figure out if we were going to sue our landlord and trying to find a new rental. It was a lot. And, and then on top of that, which, you know, we should go into next is, okay, whether you you find out you have mold, right? You find the mold, you are cleaning things, getting, how do you get the mold out of your body? Because Mm -hmm. mold can live in your sinus, right? Mm -hmm. And it could live in your digestive system and all this stuff. So we did a really great episode on detox and detoxing is a huge part of the process, but like, what are some things that people can do to make sure that they start getting those myotoxins out of their bodies? Yeah. I mean, similar to what we talked about in our detoxification episode, um, infrared saunas, sweating Mm -hmm. is going to be your main priority of something you can do every day. If you can sweat is going to be good for you getting mold out of your system and taking binders, you know, activated charcoal or bentonite clay things in the evenings you can do before bed, but it, you also specifically have to figure out what kind of mycotoxins are in your system because there's going to be different kind of antifungals that you have to take in order to eradicate the specific mycotoxins in your system. So I was I was taking things like Alamax, um, specific Alamax is a very potent form of allicin, which is uh, garlic. Is it, it, well, I know it's from garlic. Is it like the protein in garlic or? It's an, it's an enzyme, I think. Oh, yes. I think. Doing things to bind the mycotoxins and get them out through sauna, coffee enemas is another good one. One of the things that I'm just going to plug Dr. Nathan's book again is that in his book, Toxic, he actually lays out which binders help get which specific mycotoxins out. So you can use a charcoal, you can use a supplement, you can use a bentonite clay. But if you read that book, you can see if you are able to figure out which ones are in your body, you can just make sure to target all of them, which I always thought was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, no, any specifics are always really, really helpful because although I wish there was just some blanket way to get rid of it for everybody, it's not always the case. But the one thing I do recommend to anyone dealing with mold is picking up a nasal rinse from a Mm. company called Microbalance Health Products. And they make uh, like essential oil based kind of antifungal nasal rinses. So the, those mycotoxins and mold spores can live in your sinuses. So unless you do that, like they're going to stay there, you know? So that's always something that you definitely need to make sure you're addressing. But besides that, just detox, detox, detox. And the good news is I'm not sure quite how long it took me to start really like seeing long-term benefits of removing Mm -hmm. mold. But the first night after I 
moved and we were in our new space. It was mold free. And I had actually gotten a chance to talk to my landlord, the one that in our new rental in Dallas that we moved into. And he was so kind. He sent me pictures of the air ducts. He got everything cleaned. He got the HVAC service before he moved in, which are things that you can request. And Mm -hmm. I, I told him we were moving from mold. So he was very, very, you know, persistent about making sure we felt comfortable moving in, which was so kind and, and such a lifesaver at the time. But that first night, right when I got there, I took all of our bedding out of trash bags. I put them in the washing machine with the citrus safe laundry detergent. I made the bed. I took a shower. I gave my dog a bath. And that night when I got in bed, I laid there and it, it was like, I could breathe better than I had in years. Like that feeling when you're on vacation and you've just gotten like out of the ocean and you've showered and you're like warm and tan from the (laughs) sun and you have enough vitamin D and you get in bed and you're just like, everything is peaceful and you're just so relaxed. That is exactly how I felt that first night after mold. And I will never forget that. And it was pretty immediate how quickly we noticed the amount of volume in our lungs we had compared to when, what we had when we were living there in mold, because that was what was exciting. The immediate, like things we noticed were that we could breathe better, but everything else kind of came with time. But I know something I didn't kind of want to mention too, was then about a year after we had been living out of mold, Mm -hmm. when I walked into a used bookstore, um, which was moldy, which I didn't ever really think about, but right. It's it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, that's, that's the moral of the story is that it's impossible to avoid, but you still have to go on living your life. And so you go into a moldy bookstore, just Yeah. I mean, it was half price books, which I love and adore that store, not giving them any shit because they're (laughs) great and they're doing great things. But unfortunately (laughs) my brain and body was still on high alert with mold. And I step into a a slightly, slightly moldy environment. And suddenly I have a full on head to toe reaction where I got dizzy and nauseous and brain foggy. And I was like trying to read the names of the books on the shelf and I couldn't even read them. Like, and something was so wrong. And I, I like looked at Justin, I'm like, I need to go outside. Like something's wrong. And I went outside and immediately felt better. And it freaked me out so much to the point where I like called my doctor. I was like, what the heck just happened? And she was like, well, your limbic system still thinks that you need to be protected from mold, that you're in danger because for five years, your brain was on high alert because it could never escape this environment. So it was like, we need to be protecting her every moment of every day while she's sleeping, while she's living here. And so your brain just subconsciously starts training your immune system to react at the tiniest onset symptom right. of mold. Right. It's just fight or flight nonstop. I mean, your, your immune system is just responding. And so how do you get out of that? Yeah. So the way that I did was with a program called DNRS, it stands for dynamic neural retraining system. And that reaction in that used bookstore was the thing that really brought me to DNRS, which I'm still very thankful for, but it helps you rewire your brain to understand that you're safe. Even if Mm -hmm. you are exposed to mold again in the future, which I think that was the biggest fear of mine was like, how am I ever going to feel comfortable traveling or moving into a new, a new place? If I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's completely mold free. Yeah. And 
I was just living in fear. Like I was still just living in fear of food. You know, there's a lot of foods that are high in molds, like Mm -hmm. coffee. I could never drink any coffee. Yeah. Cashews, cashews, some chocolates I still had reactions to. And so it's just really difficult to live with that. And, and when I first learned Annie Hopper's story, who was the creator of the DNRS program, she talked about her similar situation where it, there was a time where she was so chemically sensitive that she moved out of her house and lived on a houseboat and like away from her husband for six or eight months at a time. And it's pretty incredible. Everything I learned in this program, but it totally changed my life. It's like everything got better after that. And and I know I've talked about it before, but I kind of compare it to chronic illness rehab because after that long dealing with symptoms, chronically dealing with unexpected side effects from all sorts of random things and environments, I was constantly just living in fear. Mm -hmm. And I had to have a program that helped me unlearn the way that I had to become in order to just survive. Yeah. It's about functioning and, and figuring out, you know, to your point, how you deal with day-to-day life and unlearning things that we have been programmed to believe and to, to think. And I know that a lot of people that deal with other chronic illnesses like Lyme or have chronic pain in general, fibromyalgia, a lot of people fear their triggers. And when everything is a trigger that could make your world a place that you don't really want to live in because it's just, everything is scary. And so it it does become a little bit about rewiring your brain. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know how to do it. Like I, I, I knew that was something I needed. I could totally tell, like there was something going on in my brain, (laughs) but I didn't know how to get out of it. And I think that that's what that program brought me was just that, that other resource to really help me learn how to get out of it on my own. Um, and it took a lot of practice. I mean, I had to do the DNRS practice every single day out loud, um, for about six months to really Mm -hmm. fully rewire my brain, um, and get out of that limbic system impairment that I had been dealing with for so long, but it's a huge, huge, huge part of healing that I think goes really unnoticed and untalked about. And for me, it was kind of the thing that finally like put all of my puzzle pieces together. So yeah, that's something. And, and the good news is if, if anyone who's listening is ever dealing with mold toxicity and just so overwhelmed and need somebody to talk to about it, I, f- I found that that was what I really needed was just somebody to be like, what do I do now? What do I do with this? Right, I don't know. It's right. all so overwhelming. I finally tacked on like an extra service and my practice for a mold consultation. So if that's something that you're like, I need like a friend to talk to, you know, and yeah. make sure I'm doing all the right things or figuring out where to move or what tests to find. Like that's something that if anyone's ever curious or interested in that I do offer. So yeah, (laughs) no, you have a mold friend. (laughs) Yeah. So anyone that, you know, if you're think you're dealing with mold or you're wondering about mold, definitely, you know, hit up Mel also check out her ebook that tells you everything you need to know. And yeah, just it's, it's one of those things to always check out and be thinking about. It's just kind of part of the territory of, of this whole chronic illness journey. So I think it's important that we covered it and yeah, thank you for sharing all your amazing knowledge on the subject. I'm so glad we talked about it. Me too. I love talking about mold. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But you know what we do love talking about more than mold is hot gas. (laughs) 
so much going on. You know, we did not actually announce who won our will they won't they contest. We're terrible so. people. Like I know. We have all these people do all these polls and then we never <laughs> tell anyone who yes. who the winner is. <laughs> I I am classically known for doing stuff like this. If anybody follows me on Instagram, I just this is my life. I will be like, "Oh, let's do this." And then I will forget entirely, but we did take it to the end and I did want us to make the announcement on here. And then we skipped our last episode. So we did our little poll in terms of who was the best, will they, won't they favorite couple. And the winner was, drum roll, (laughs) Jim and Pam from The Office. Which makes total sense. Like I, it's funny because I just saw a TikTok recently that was between millennials and Gen Z and like how nobody sees like eye to eye and they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you guys do this. And it's like, oh, you guys do this. And somebody mentioned like the office and Jim and Pam and, and both millennials and Gen Z were like, we love Jim and Pam. And yeah. it's so funny. Cause it just is eternal. Like everyone is just. Yeah. Huge Jim and Pam I think fans. it, I think it makes sense, but I will say that, you know, just in a little tidbit of controversy, I mean, they technically worked together most of the series. I mean, they were, will they, won't they, will they, they did. And then they were like, so that's just I know. me. You I know. Being me. But you know what? That's who won. They're the winners. We can move on. I think <laughs> we are. Yeah. Let's close, close that chapter. Cause there's so much going on in the world oh of God. TV that we need to talk about. Well, speaking of closing chapters, um, uh, last week was the bold type series finale, which, oh God, that show, like, it, I think it was season five, right? It was season yeah, I, yeah, the emotion that first of all, that show was just so well done. The finale was so well done. They closed everything off in just such a way that was just so respectful to all of the characters. And I just loved it. Yeah. Like everyone came full circle. They really gave <laughs> us what we wanted. Right. And I think that yeah. that's what a lot of shows don't do is that it's really hard to please everybody like all Mm -hmm. viewers but I think they pulled it off like they really gave us a happy ending for each character for each storyline and really was able to tie a bow up with everything that I think we could have wanted to see totally which was such a relief and then they give you like that moment oh god we're like in the fashion closet where you know bringing it all back to where it started and I loved every minute of that finale and I haven't sobbed that hard watching something in so long. Like I was just so emotional the last 10 minutes. I could not hold it in. It was like 10 AM on like a a Thursday that I watched this finale and I'm like sobbing on a Thursday morning. Yeah, it was so good. I was crying, I think in the episode prior to the finale. And then you were like, I'm sobbing. I'm like, I'm all cried out. I gave them my tears already, but I just, I felt so good about the ending just so much heart in that show. Like, I just feel like it literally made me question my life. Which yeah, yeah. That's the sign of like a good show. Like I was texting you in the episode before and I'm like, this is making me just think about my life decisions. And, you know, it's just got my, the wheels in my head turning. And so that's how you know it's it's good. Yes. I mean, they were one of the shows that really made me want to move to New York City. Like I I think at the time yeah. that I was first watching it, I didn't really realize it, but I just loved the fact that all of them were go-getters and just going after what they wanted in their careers and in their love lives and their in their relationships and just 
it's a story of constant growth um, for three women that aren't very far from my age and in their times of their careers that I feel like I was kind of also at where your job is just growing and you're trying to figure out which direction you want to take it in and and oh god I just love everything about that show and I I like don't even want to say any spoilers because honestly anyone or anyone who's listening who hasn't watched the bold type you just need to watch the bold type because you will not regret it and it will become one of your favorite things you you watch it's on Hulu all five seasons so yeah so good so good and we're getting a lot of things coming back right now which I think so we have that ending and then we have a lot of new beginnings so the two that have come back over the past two weeks are Never Have I Ever, which both of us just rewatched in the last week time yes. span. And also just watched both of us watched the premiere. So that it just came back today. It's back. That show, oh, it's so good. It's really funny. It's a short, kind of easy flowing watch about this girl who's in high school, this this Indian girl, second generation Indian girl. It's just about all, I guess, what, like the high school boy drama in her life. I don't even know how to properly explain it. It's written by Mindy Kaling. Like that's all yeah. you need to know. Like it's, it's very much inspired by like her teenage years and how she was a bit of a rebel and a little boy crazy. And it is just so smart and funny and every episode is just fresh and yeah. makes you feel like you're 16 again. Like it's yeah. such a good I love time. it. And I'm so excited about season two. And we just finished rewatching season one last night. And then it announced like season two, or season two coming on Thursday. I was like, Thursday, I thought I was coming Friday. <laughs> and so we get like season two of never have I ever right at the same time as the outer banks trailer for season two drops. And oh my God. it was just too much for my little brain and heart yeah. to handle yesterday. Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love anything and everything by Mindy Kaling. Like I'm obsessed with her, her personality on the office reminds me so much of myself <laughs> that it's, and I loved the Mindy show. Oh. I loved it so much. And then she also wrote, um, four weddings and a funeral, which was also on Hulu. And I loved that. So I am just a huge fan of everything that she does. Me too. I highly recommend it's only 30 minutes. So the whole show, you can go through it in a day and a half easily. It's an easy watch, but just watch it. If you haven't, Yeah, definitely do that. That is easy. Feel good viewing the outer banks trailer gave me so much anxiety and we haven't talked about it yet, but I still have a knot in my stomach. I don't know. I am so worked up about what's going to happen. I, we watched the trailer three times. Like I did too. I had to. I was trying to. Oh, I was pausing, going slow. I'm like, yes. Who's that? Who's that hugging that person? What's going on? I because that is such a fast moving like thriller. Like watching the trailer made me nervous. I'm very nervous. I'm so excited. Like I really feel like I'm just gonna have to binge the entire season. And I yeah. I texted you yesterday because I'm like, okay, July 30th. Listen, what are you doing? Can you come over? Like yeah, yeah, totally. I. Yes, I would probably not even see trailers if it wasn't for you telling me the trailer. You're like, here's the trailer. You have to watch it. And then I was just so anxious. I feel like I'm on the run and I'm in Bahamas. I'm running from Ward. I'm just freaking out. Yes. Oh, God. If you haven't watched Outer Banks, what are you doing with your life? I don't yes. Understand. Even my my parents watched Outer Banks. Like, I... 
I watched it twice. Otherwise, I would do a rewatch before it officially drops, which is on July 30th, 30th. as you just said. And but I already rewatched it, so I need to to relax myself. No, so. me too. I've watched it too many times, so I I know everything. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah, no it's spoilers. all happening. Get into it. Yeah. But it's funny because Virgin River came back last week, and I feel like it's, it's a just, third season, which third I feel like season. is aggressive. It's wild. I just I feel like that is getting so overshadowed by all of these way more enjoyable fun hearted yeah. shows right now for me that I'm just like pushing it back I think you you watched it all already right oh yeah did you you haven't watched it yet right I've watched three episodes okay it's okay so here here's my thoughts on Virgin River without giving away any spoilers I don't really think that there's any major spoilers to give so I what is intriguing to me is that one, they came out with the third season before Outer Banks or Sweet Magnolias has even come out with the second one. So I don't know what they're doing over there. I'm pretty sure they're in Canada or Seattle. They're somewhere north. They're north. Yeah. Doing this, right? So there's somewhere that they've managed to film during the pandemic, you know, God bless them. So it is a good show but it's starting to feel heavy to me. I feel like there's a lot of drama, but to your point, you said to me a few days ago that sometimes feels like drama for the sake of drama. And right now I want to either be living within the thriller space of a panic or an outer banks where it's like high energy, or I want to be in that never have I ever fun space. I don't really want to be in the Grey's Anatomy world right now. And that's what I was telling you that it reminds me of. Like there's just these people, just things keep happening to them. And I'm just like, I, I can't deal with it. Like, can you guys just be happy? But then they wouldn't have a show. <laughs> right. I know. No, it's just a lot of like heavy storyline. There's not enough yeah. like happy reprieve from the stressful. I think that yeah. they're missing like a balance. And season one was just so good because the storyline is about this woman who has recently lost her husband and she moves to an upstate city in California to start working as a nurse at this small, small medical practice in a town called Virgin River. And she meets this hot bar owner that is interested in her and it's kind of her you know path towards processing her trauma and loss and the reason that season one was so good was because you just it's building that tension between her and Jack the bar Mm -hmm. owner and you just like want them to be together so bad but you also want to figure out what happened to her husband because it takes on to kind of uncover the mystery of it there's like this like sexual tension, but there's also this mystery and it's a good combo. But then season two and season three, it's just a lot of drama. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you already know what happened and then you're still continuing to watch her trauma. Like I don't even want to live in my own trauma for three seasons. Like I <laughs> don't like, I no like one therapy session is enough. Like it's yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm like eh, about the season I watched it. I did it in a couple of days. I think I did it over a weekend and yeah, I mean, I'm happy that I watched it, but I'm definitely way more excited about other things right now. Yeah, me too. And something that I know I'm going to have a hard time getting you into, but I think I think you really should is no. the, new, <laughs> the new reboot of Gossip Girl that just came out. I'm playing with the idea. I think I you will like it. And it is so well-made. Like, it's HBO, which... Mm-hmm. I wasn't mentally prepared for the quality of show that HBO would turn Gossip Girl into. 
Yeah. And it is so visually fun. Like oh, it, the okay. fashion is still so good. And like, I really like the diverse cast and, but it's, it is like very much set in 2021. And that yeah. is something that I, I just like, didn't know what to expect. I, I kept yeah. expectations very low. I just went into it. Like, let's see how it is. I don't know who knows, but it's fun. And they like, is it like give a nod back to like, you know, the original Gossip Girl, which is really fun because I was kind of like, how is this going to be related? I don't know. They do mention like Chuck and Blair. Oh, they do. Are they related in any way, shape or form? Like, is it somebody's kids? No, no. It's just at the same, it's at the same school. It's at the same school. Okay. So that's it. Like different. And the teachers are the age of Serena and Blair and Chuck and Dan. So like some of the teachers went to school with with them them okay. yes so they it, it's fun because they you just kind of have to watch it okay like, I don't I want to tell you anything okay I promise you I will give it a chance I am struggling with the fact that I loved Gossip Girl so much it was so unapologetically terrible <laughs> like I yeah it's not like it was like the best made show ever. Also, they were horrible people that continued to get away with horrible things. And I really like that in a TV show. Like I, that's what I want to see. I want to see <laughs> horrible people getting away with it. So I just, I'll give it a shot. I will, I will definitely watch that. I also watched this show about ballet which is called Tiny Little Things. And it reminded me of Gossip Girl too, because the people were doing horrible things to each other and they were just ignoring the fact that they were like, it was like, I I don't know why I like that. This drama (laughs) behind like these people that were tied together in some way and they would do things to each other, but they also were just like needed each other in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it was a really good escape, I think, out of the norm. It was, it's about a ballet school in Chicago and the cast is all these Canadian actors that I remember from other Canadian shows. This um, one of the guys is from this show that I loved. That's a Canadian show called Being Erica. It's mm-hmm. like from like 10 years ago. And so it's really interesting, but it's not that good. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt good. about like the society. Like I was like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it's a good watch when nothing else is around. Yeah. But, like but I now there's it. Yeah. You know, it has a little bit of mystery to it. You know, it kind of reminded me a little bit. It had some Riverdale-esque stuff to it because it starts with the lead ballerina getting pushed off of the building of the school. And so she's in like a coma and they're trying to figure out who did it. So there's a little bit of like who done it involved. And so it's it's fun. I I think if you're looking for something to watch and you want a little escapism, like I really needed it to get out of my day-to-day life. I, and it's so different from anything I've experienced or done. So like, I was just like in ballet and the dancing is really beautiful. All of the actors are dancers. And so they have a lot of scenes where they are doing sort of like this modern ballet type of dance. And it, and it is pretty, pretty nice to see that. I think it's just really pretty to watch and, awesome. and a fully diverse cast as well. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> speaking of diversity um the bachelor this season is or the bachelorette this season is so different than I feel like it's ever been and god (laughs) thank god I mean something needed to change and I didn't know what it was gonna need to be in order for them to 
make it successful and enjoyable to watch. And I mean, you were on the verge of like not watching it anymore. And I'm glad that you did because this is really like my favorite season potentially ever. Yeah. I, I am such a huge fan of every single guy she has left. I mean, she has like six or seven and any of them are so like, I would marry any of them. Like, yeah, it's I, been, I mean, it has been really good. I didn't watch it in the beginning. I wasn't going to, I just had to draw the line in the sand with the bachelor. Like they just put mm. us through so much, but then I binged it like the first four episodes on Hulu and now I'm watching it. Yeah. It, it has been really good. There is, I mean, emotions are starting to get pretty high though. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm very worried. I'm now I'm worried because I like any of them. And to me, I want her to be with Greg. Like I, I love Greg, but I, I mean, she loves Blake. I can tell she's so into Blake and Michael A is like my favorite person that's ever been on the show ever. Which one is Michael A? He's uh, the older one with the son, the four-year-old son whose wife passed mm. away of cancer. Yep. 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 Okay. And he's, I mean, he's like too good for this show. Like part of me is like, why are you here? Yeah. And another part of me is like, okay, if he doesn't win, which I don't think he would win, but I'm kind of worried he's going to leave now. Like I'm yeah. worried he's he going to leave. He like, might, I feel like. Cause... But then if he becomes the bachelor, he could just bring his son with him and his son wouldn't be upset because he's like not far from any anymore. And part of me is kind of like, maybe he'd become the bachelor. But if he doesn't, my hope is that Katie picks Greg because Greg was first impression Rose. I feel like first mm-hmm. impression Rose is typically the winner yeah. in my past experience. And she just has a soft spot for him. They like have a very similar He's story. He's so cute. He's so cute. cute. You can tell she just like loves him. Yeah, they are really, really cute together. But I think she's going to choose Blake. Okay. You think it's going to be Blake? I do. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Because I think think it's going to be Greg. And I'm going to stick to that. Because although I do think... I, I think it could very also easily be Blake. That's why it's so tough because right now it's just whoever she's going to feel more emotionally attached to at the end of this. And right now, Blake, it's like hot and heavy, like steamy, like let's yeah. bone because they're both really hot. Um, and- well, and also last episode when he just showed up with the, with the boom. I mean, I don't so even good. know that much, but I was like, Oh my God. It was so good. Like, like I was like, Whoa, that might be the move. Like that might be the move that, that gets him this entire season. Like I, I think it is. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, it could have very easily been. And, and part of me is kind of like thinking, okay, if it is Greg and Blake gets runner up, maybe Blake could be the bachelor. Maybe. I, I don't know. I could see that happening. I could see that happening too, but I think Blake's going to win. So we'll face our bets now. Okay, let's go. Yeah, let's, we can do, we'll do another one of our polls to see what people want us to bet on this time. Like okay. we'll, we'll ask people what they want us to bet, but <laughs> I'm so Just excited. as history goes, I'm pretty, pretty good. I know. Yeah, you have a good track record. <laughs> But we'll see. I don't we'll know. See. I'm, I have to trust my gut on this one. You know, you kind of have to just pick one, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh. So yeah, that's that's been pretty much all the TV stuff, right? I know we've been watching things kind of in and out. I, I started Too Hot to Handle. You finished Too Hot to Handle. I'm struggling with it, to be honest. I, You know I love Love Island, but I'm finding Too Hot to Handle very dumb. I think <laughs> it's just funny. It's, it's funny. It is funny. The people are ridiculous, but I can't tell if it's real. And sometimes when I watch shows that 
are reality shows that to me seem so ridiculous. I spend most of my time questioning what's real and what's not real. And then I go and I spiral out of control and I'm like, I can't watch this. Yeah. (laughs) I, I saw a YouTube video the other day that was a compilation of a bunch of stuff that people from too hot to handle have said on the show. And the title of the video was the times where the cast of too hot to handle shared one brain cell yeah and it just yeah. made me laugh I was it, like it has oh, to be. yeah it's it's so ridiculous I watched a couple episodes of that and I also almost finished sex life <gasps> which I know that you you we haven't spoken about and you said was really intense and I just want to say that I haven't finished it yet but there is a moment of full frontal male nudity that made me scream because I was so shocked I have never in my life I screamed so loud that Rob had to come into the bedroom because I was shocked oh my god shocked and then was googling whether or not it was real or the person was real I I was Okay, you're just gonna have to tell me which episode so that I can like. Look yeah, it you're up. gonna have to watch. It's a shower scene of like a men's locker room, and I have <laughs> never in my entire you're life- affected. You're affected by this. I'm affected. I texted my friend Lauren, who's the one who told me to watch it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, that penis!" <laughs> I have never in my life seen anything like that there's no way that it could be real and now it's become like a whole subject in our household because I was like Rob you have to come in here and see this I'm screaming he comes in I replay it and now we're like is that really the actor is it a prosthetic oh my god I am terrified (laughs) but also like I just couldn't handle that show I watched one episode and it was like too soapy like porny for me like it is softcore porn it is truly it is yeah I mean yeah like if 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 you want to do that like the story is so dumb like it's I mean I get it I get it but like I I couldn't handle it I just couldn't watch it I was like I'm sorry nope (laughs) yeah it is I mean I don't I'm not super interested to be honest in seeing the rest of it but there is a little bit of off-screen drama because the lead girl actress is dating the one of the guys in the show the one that is full frontal and if you see this you might understand why she's dating him but she left her husband who was another actor um, oh my goodness, I forget. Steve Howie from Steve Shameless. Howie. Yes, from Shameless to be with this guy. And so, I just heard about this. Yeah, so it's interesting, but I, I actually don't know if I'm going to finish it. I think I'm, but I only have one more episode, so maybe I should. It's too much penis for you. You're it's like, no. Nope. <laughs> <Yeah, it's- laughs> I don't, I can't imagine how it wouldn't be too much penis for anyone, to be honest. <laughs> I have, it, it, I know what I'm going to do right after this. <laughs> So on that note, thank you so much for listening. I have places to be and something to watch on Netflix. Yeah. So until next time, guys, please leave us a comment or a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people that might Mm -hmm. need to hear this information. And we would be forever grateful. And thank you for listening. And, you know, if you ever want to message us on our Instagram to just talk about some things that 
you would like to hear from us on the podcast, that would be so great. We're getting to the point where we're kind of like running out out of like the list we created of like our go-tos of what we wanted to discuss. So now we're kind of in this whole world of being able to just explore new things and new topics. And especially with both of us busy in our current jobs, learning a lot about what could help you guys become healthier and happier humans. So until next time, guys, stay healthy. Yeah.